Chapter Two, Part Three of the Markets of Paris by Emile Zola. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Miser's Treasure, Part Three. Before Lisa's anger, the two men were silent. Gavard was playing with a bit of the railing around the counter. He said slowly to Florent, "Don't you see that these scamps have nearly starved you? Very well. Now let them feed you. This idea delights me." Florent smiled, but still shook his head. Quenu, to please his wife, uttered a few faint words of entreaty, but Lisa did not seem to hear. She was looking intently out toward the hall. Suddenly she exclaimed, "Ah, they have sent La Normande now. Very well, La Normande shall pay for all the others." A tall brunette entered the door. It was the pretty fishwoman Louise Mehuden, known as La Normande. There was a touch of boldness in her beauty, although her skin was very pale and delicate. She was as tall as Lisa, but her bust was fuller. She entered in an off-hand sort of way, with a gold chain dangling over her apron, her hair fashionably dressed, and a knot of lace and ribbon at her throat. She brought with her a fresh salt odor almost like the sea, and had on one of her hands a herring scale which caught the light like an opal. The two women had been intimate friends for a long time, although they were also rivals. They called one La Belle Normande, the other La Belle Lisa, and instituted constant comparisons between the two. Lisa, where she stood, could see the fishwoman among her salmon and turbots. The two women watched each other closely. La Belle Lisa drew her corset lacing tighter. La Belle Normande added rings to her fingers and ribbons to her dress. When the two met, they were very sweet and very complimentary, each watching the other furtively and taking in the detail of the costume worn by the other. "'Is it to-morrow that you make your black pudding?' asked La Normande gaily. Lisa was slow to anger, but not easily soothed. She answered, "'Yes,' in one brief monosyllable. "'Because,' continued the other, "'I adore it when it is hot. I shall come for some.' She realized the lack of cordiality in her rival's manner. She looked at Florent with an air of interest. Then, as she did not wish to depart without saying something, she had the rashness to add, "'The last I bought of you was not fresh.' "'Not fresh?' answered the mistress of the establishment, white with indignation. She might have restrained herself but for that knot of ribbon. Was it not enough, she thought, that she must be spied and watched, she must also be insulted? She placed her hands on her counter, and in a voice that was hoarse with anger, she said slowly, tell me last week when you sold me a pair of soles did i say before everybody that they smelled badly smelled badly my soles cried the fishwoman flushed and breathless the two women fairly glared at each other all their beautiful friendship had vanished a word sufficed to show their sharp teeth under their smiles you are an insulting creature said la belle normande if ever i put my foot here again you will know it all right answered la belle lisa the fishwoman went out uttering a sentence which left lisa trembling the scene passed so rapidly that the three men had no time to interfere lisa soon regained her self-control and entered into conversation without making any allusion to what had taken place she told gavard that he had best say nothing to monsieur valoc for two or three days quenu went back to his kitchen and gavard took florent off with him to get a glass of vermouth they saw in the distance three women, 
madame lecoeur mademoiselle sagette and la sarriette talking together very busily the old maid was holding forth as i was telling you madame lecoeur your brother-in-law is forever in their shop you have seen him have you not oh certainly he was sitting on a table i interrupted la sarriette i could not hear one word i can't imagine what you expected me to hear mademoiselle saget shrugged her shoulders you have no idea i suppose why these people are so very attentive to monsieur gavard in my opinion they mean him to leave all he possesses to little pauline do you think that cried madame lecoeur turning pale then in a gasping tone as if she had received a dagger thrust she said i am all alone this man can do of course just as he pleases his niece and he are good friends she has already forgotten what she has cost me no indeed aunt said la sarriette i have forgotten nothing it is you who have never had anything but harsh words for me they were at once reconciled the niece promised to be more considerate and the aunt swore that she regarded sarriette as her own daughter then mademoiselle proceeded to give them advice as to the manner in which they should behave to prevent gavard from wasting his property it was decided that the quenu gradelle did not amount to much and they had best be carefully watched something is going on said the old lady but what i can't yet tell this florent this cousin of madame quenu's what do you think of him the three women put their heads close together you know very well said lecoeur that we saw him one morning with holes in his shoes and ragged clothes all covered with dust he really frightens me nonsense murmured la sarriette he is thin very thin but he is a good man all the same mademoiselle saget reflected i have been trying to find this out for a fortnight i am certain that monsieur gavard knew him in fact i feel as if i had seen him somewhere she was still cudgelling her memory when la normande swept down upon them like an avalanche she is a civil creature certainly that quenu woman she cried will you believe that she told me that i sold stinking fish just think of that while their own spoiled pork poisons everybody what did you say to her asked the old woman delighted to hear that the two friends had quarrelled i nothing not a word i just went in to engage some pudding for to-morrow night and she insulted me miserable hypocrite with all her mild airs but she shall pay more dearly for this than she thinks for the three women felt instinctively that la normande was not telling the truth but they were none the less ready to espouse her quarrel they turned up la rue rambuteau busy with the invention of some story which should injure the canus but what did the cousin say asked mademoiselle saget the cousin answered la normande sharply you believe in that cousin do you he is much more likely to be a lover the three others exclaimed at this for lisa's propriety of conduct had passed into a proverb in the quartier oh i mean what i say these women who have that touch-me-not look are no better than others let me tell you mademoiselle saget nodded as if to say that she agreed with this opinion she said insinuatingly to be sure this cousin seems to have fallen from the skies and the canoe's account of him does not hang together very well he is her lover i tell you 
reiterated the fishwoman some fellow she has picked up in the street she has given him an entire new suit of clothes said madame lecoeur he must cost her a pretty penny the woman immediately began to discuss all that went on in the quenu gradel menage madame lecoeur declared that she would open her brother's eyes in regard to the character of the house he frequented la normande grew a little calmer and ashamed of what she had said left her friends abruptly when she had departed madame lecoeur said i am sure that la normande was insolent for it is a way she has she had best not speak of lisa's cousin for people will be apt to remember that she found a baby one fine morning in her fish-stall they looked at each other and laughed when madame lecoeur left in her turn la sarriette said i wish my aunt would let all these people alone she grows thin fussing about her neighbor's affairs she always beat me if a man looked at me but she need have no fear she will never find any brat under her bed mademoiselle saget laughed delightedly and when she was alone she said half aloud that these people were not worth the cord to hang them with she hurried down the street until she reached the bakery kept by a certain madame taboureau who was a handsome woman and a friend of lisa's also a great authority on all subjects when any one said madame taboureau said this madame taboureau said that there was no further discussion mademoiselle saget inquired when the oven would be hot that she might have a dish of pears baked and then said many nice things of lisa extolling her exquisite neatness and the superiority of all the things she sold at her shop then quite pleased with this moral alibi and enchanted at the coming battle which sniffed afar off she started home her mind dwelling pertinaciously on the image of madame quenu's cousin that same evening after dinner florent went out and walked for some time in one of the covered streets of the halles a fine fog was rising filling the empty places with a gray sadness pierced at intervals with the yellow gas for the first time he felt himself to be in the way he realized the inopportune fashion in which he had fallen into this fat and comfortable little circle he said to himself that he had disturbed the whole quartier that he embarrassed his brother and his brother's wife and that they found it difficult to carry their contraband cousin these reflections rendered him very sad not that he felt his brother or lisa to be unkind in any way he thought them only too kind but he accused himself of a want of delicacy in quartering himself upon them doubts disturbed him the recollection of the conversation in the shop made him uncomfortable although he did not know precisely why perhaps he was wrong in refusing the position which had been offered this thought was bitter to him and he wondered if he should be compelled to act contrary to his convictions here a damp blast of wind compelled him to button his overcoat and blew away the enervating atmosphere of the luxurious eating-house with which his garments were filled he turned to go home when he met claude lantier face to face the painter buttoned to the chin in his shabby coat was in a state of great rage he swore that his life was that of a dog and that he would never touch a pencil again as long as he lived that afternoon he had kicked a hole through a study he had made of cadine's head he was subject to these attacks common to all artists who feel their inability to execute the works of which they dream at such times he wandered like a madman through the streets saw everything through a glass darkly dreamed that the end of all was at hand and looked forward to the morrow as to a resurrection 
laurent with difficulty recognized the gay planeur whom he had met on that memorable morning on his arrival in paris and seen often since claude knew his history and was always cordial when they chanced to meet but he rarely went to the canus you are still at my aunt's said claude well it passes my comprehension how you can stand that smell of cooking if i stay there an hour i feel as if i were overfed and had eaten enough for three days i made a mistake in going in there to-day i lost an hour or two after a moment's silence he continued they are good people too but they look so well and hearty that they really make me uncomfortable they wanted me to paint their pictures but how on earth can i draw faces in which there is not a bone aunt lisa would never have been as silly as i have been to-day and now i think of it i don't believe that head was so bad after all then they talked of aunt lisa claude said that his mother rarely saw her now he believed that lisa was a little ashamed that her sister should have married a common working man besides she had little sympathy for people who were unfortunate as for himself he had had one stroke of luck a good man had fallen in love with him a child of eight and with the animals and figures he drew and had sent him to school and when he died had left him a small yearly income of a thousand francs which at least prevented him from starving but i wish nevertheless he continued that i had learned a trade that of a cabinet-maker for example they are a happy class they have a table to make they make it and they go to bed glad they have finished their work and perfectly satisfied with it and themselves now i never sleep at night all these confounded studies i have made buzz about in my head i am never done never at rest his voice broke he tried to laugh and then uttered an oath trying to find the most atrocious language with the wild rage of a man whose nature is delicate and refined but who feels that he has made a great mistake of life suddenly he stopped short and pointed down into one of the cellars of the hall where a gas light was kept burning continually he had caught a glimpse of marjolin and cadine calmly sleeping these scamps had found a way to enter these places after the gratings had been put down now look at that animal cried claude did you ever see more perfect animal beauty and in the voice of the painter there was a tone of absolute envy they are happy as pigs they make their supper off of apples and then they go to sleep in one of those baskets full of chicken feathers after all you have done well perhaps to stay at aunt lisa's you can't help growing fat there and he walked off sulkily florent went up to his attic restless and uncertain the next day he went out early and took a long walk at breakfast he was greatly comforted by lisa's gentleness she spoke of the place which had been offered to him but very quietly as of a matter which required consideration he listened leaving his untouched plate before him he was carried away by the dazzling cleanliness of the room by the softness of the mat under his feet by the fresh paper and glittering varnish he wondered what was true and what was false yet he had strength to repeat his refusal at the same time quite conscious of the bad taste of which he was guilty in making such a brutal display of his resentments and rancour in such a peaceful comfortable spot as this lisa was not angry she smiled with that lovely smile which embarrassed florent even more than her irritation of the previous evening at dinner they talked only of the immense amount of labour which would be necessary to get in all their winter stock 
the evenings were now cold as soon as they had dined they went into the kitchen where it was always warm and so large that a number of persons could be comfortable there around a square table placed in the centre the walls of the room were covered with plaques and blue faience on the left was the great furnace with its three holes in which stood three pots blackened with soot and constant use and further off was a little stove where all the broiling was done and above was a row of shelves on which stood or hung long-handled spoons strainers skimmers colanders and row upon row of drawers all labelled wherein were kept bread-crumbs coarse and fine mustard pepper and salt spices cloves and nutmegs on the right was the chopping-table an enormous block of oak against the wall all seamed and scarred while several machines whose uses were unknown to a casual observer stood near by their wheels and their general aspect giving a look of diabolical mystery to the place piles of saucepans of tin and copper stood in every corner all delicately clean small saws and larding needles hung side by side in spite of the absolute cleanliness of the place there was a smell of grease which permeated the very walls and reddened the bricks on the floor and polished the edges of the chopping block until it looked as if it had been varnished and it seemed as if in this constant evaporation from the three pots where so many pigs had been boiled that from every nail in the room and every plank in the wall oozed grease the quenu gradelles did everything themselves they bought nothing except sardines cheeses conserves and pates from a celebrated house consequently september to them was a busy month they then filled the cellar which they had emptied during the summer quenu assisted by auguste and leon made his sausages prepared his hams and rendered his lard there was a formidable noise of frying and sizzling of chopping and pounding and the smell of cooking filled the whole neighbourhood the night of which we write it was late eleven o'clock quenu who had been busy with two huge pots of lard now occupied himself with the pudding auguste was helping him at the corner of the table lisa and augustine were mending linen while opposite florent was playing with little pauline leon was chopping meat for sausages with slow and regular blows auguste went to the courtyard and brought in two huge jugs of hog's blood it was auguste who killed the animals at the abattoir and brought the blood home himself leaving the carcasses to be dressed and sent home in the regular wagons quenu declared that there was no one in paris who knew the quality of pig's blood as did auguste if auguste said the pudding will be good the pudding was good how will it be to-night asked lisa i think it will be excellent madame i can tell by the way the blood runs when i pull out the knife if the blood runs slowly it is not a good sign it shows that the blood is poor but interrupted quenu that all depends on how deep you put in the knife auguste's pale fat face relaxed into a smile no he answered i always put my knife in three fingers deep that is the rule the blood should be thick while it is warm but not coagulated augustine dropped her needle and looked at her future husband with fixed attention her suffused face with its close bands of chestnut hair was full of interest even little pauline listened i beat it up with my hand continued the young man moving his fingers as if he were beating a syllabub then i look at my hand and it must be the same colour all over with a greasy look then i say to myself yes it will be a good pudding he looked at his hand complacently 
this hand which was so constantly thrust into buckets of blood was pink and delicate with polished nails quenu nodded leon chopped on pauline climbed on her cousin's knees tell me the story she cried of the gentleman who was eaten by the beasts this talk about the blood had apparently awakened in the child's mind the remembrance of this story florent did not understand but lisa laughed don't you remember what you were telling gavard one night the child must have heard you florent became very grave the child took in her arms the huge yellow cat and put it on her cousin's knees saying that monton wished to hear the story but monton jumped on the table and sat there with back well up watching the tall thin man who for the last two weeks had apparently afforded him much food for reflection pauline kicked and plunged in her impatience to hear the story pray tell her said lisa and she may let us have some peace florent sat with his eyes fixed on the ground he slowly raised them looked first at the two women placidly sewing and then at quenu and auguste who were scalding a pot for the pudding the gas burned evenly the heat of the furnace was very delightful and the aspect of the room one of intense comfort florent lifted pauline and as he placed her on his knees began to talk to her there was once a very poor man he was sent far away to the other side of the sea upon the ship which took him away there were four hundred forçats with whom he was to live five weeks he was devoured by fleas and killed by the heat and bad air fifty were allowed to go on deck at a time and two cannons were brought to bear full on them for no little fear was felt of these men the poor fellow i am telling you about was very happy when it came his turn he had lost his appetite and could not sleep and at night when he thought he could not be heard he wept his eyes out pauline listened with wide open eyes and hands closely folded that is not the story i mean she said not the story of the man who was eaten by the beasts wait said florent gently i am coming to it go on murmured the child in a contented tone then her little forehead contracted and with a puzzled air she said but what had the poor man done that they sent him away in the big boat lisa and augustine smiled the child's quick intelligence delighted them lisa took advantage of the circumstance to point a moral she said that children too were sent away in the boat if they were not good then remarked pauline judiciously my cousin's poor man was very wise to cry in the night when no one could see him lisa lifted her eyebrows and went on with her sewing some onions were slowly frying on the fire with a contented little noise like that made by crickets basking in the heat and leon had not finished his chopping when they arrived continued florent they took the man to an island called l'île du diable and there he found some friends who had also been driven from their country they were miserable and obliged to work like convicts they were counted three times each day by the guard to be sure they were all there at night they were shut up in a great barn-like building of wood at the end of a year they were nearly naked and went barefoot they had built huts out of logs to shelter them from the heat of the sun which is terrific there but the huts could not keep out mosquitoes several died and the others were so thin and yellow that they were enough to frighten any one auguste give me the lard cried quenu 
and when he held the dish he dropped some of the lard slowly into the pot but didn't they have anything to eat asked the child profoundly interested yes they had rice full of worms and meat that smelt badly answered florent in a sombre voice they had to pick out the worms to get at the rice and the meat made the mill but i should sooner have eaten dry bread said the child contemplatively leon having finished his chopping put the platter containing the sausage meat on the table monton was obliged to move which he did with a very bad grace lisa made no attempt to conceal the disgust she felt the worms in the rice and the ill-smelling meat seemed in her eyes to dishonour the man who had been compelled to eat them there was almost a look of terror in her fair face as she contemplated the man who had been exposed to such horrors it was not certainly a delightful spot in which to reside said florent forgetting the child on his knee and speaking with intense bitterness each day there were new vexations new violations of justice new contempt for all human decency and charity which exasperated the prisoners to a fever of vindictive rancour they lived like wild beasts in a cage with the whip constantly upheld over them such sufferings cannot be forgiven nor yet forgotten his voice dropped and the lard and the onions sizzled gaily but lisa was startled at the ferocious expression of his countenance and wondered if all his gentleness were altogether feigned and if he were a hypocrite after all but this fierce intonation in florent's voice was delightful to pauline she gave a frantic jump on her cousin's knee but the man cousin tell me about the man florent looked down at the little one and smiled sadly the man he said did not like the island and he determined to cross the sea to reach the land which could be seen on fair days but this was not so easy for he must build a raft and where was he to get any wood the island was fairly stripped and baked in the hot sun for all the trees had been cut down for the use of the prisoners the man finally determined to use the logs of which their huts were constructed and one evening he and two of his comrades started forth the wind blew them straight where they wished to go day was breaking when their poor raft ran on a sandbank and came to pieces the three poor fellows were in the sand up to their waists and finally one went down to his chin and the others pulled him out with infinite difficulty they reached a rock where they had barely place to sit when the sun rose they saw opposite them a line of bleak rocks two who could swim determined to make an effort to reach these rocks they preferred to drown rather than die of starvation they promised their companion that if they lived they would return for him with a boat ah now i know cried pauline clapping her hands you have got to my story of the gentleman who was eaten by beasts they reached the rocks continued florent but they were deserted and they found no boat for four days when they went back to the sandbank they found their companion lying there with his feet and hands devoured his intestines eaten away and the cavity occupied by crabs which were eating their way all through the body lisa and augustine uttered an exclamation of loathing leon who was cutting some thin slivers of pork for the pudding made a hideous face auguste and quenu were positively ill pauline laughed vociferously give me that blood cried quenu at last auguste brought it and poured it slowly into the pot while quenu stirred vigorously 
and when it was all in took down some spices the odour of which filled the kitchen they left him there of course said lisa and how did they get away as they came of course answered florent but the wind rose and the waves were something terrible the water washed over them and they emptied the boat with their hands this lasted for three days and they had not one mouthful to eat three days cried lisa starving for three days yes and when the wind at last changed and drove them to the shore one was so worn out that he died in a few hours his companions tried to make him eat the leaves of the trees as they did themselves here augustine laughed and then in her confusion unwilling that they should think her hard-hearted she stammered it was not at that madame i laughed it was at moton look at him madame lisa laughed in her turn moton had gotten up stretched his lazy length and then began to scratch the table furiously as if he wished to cover up the platter of sausage meat he then leisurely turned round and lay down with half-shut eyes then everybody praised monton everybody said that he never stole a mouthful and pauline told how after dinner he always licked her fingers lisa came back to the question of how a man could live three days without eating i do not believe it she said it is utterly impossible i often hear that such and such a person is starving but it is her mere façon de parler everybody eats more or less there may of course be occasionally some she was about to say some poor wretch but she checked herself as she looked at florent her eyes clearly said however that only utterly disreputable persons could ever be exposed to such contingencies florent felt as if he were choking the heat of the room was intense and the smell of cooking overpowering when the man had buried his comrade in the sand resumed florent he went away all alone dutch guiana where he was is a country of forests and rivers the man wandered about for a week without seeing a human being he dared not eat the glowing fruits he saw for he felt they were poisonous for entire days he walked under an arch of thickly interwoven branches with never a gleam of the blue sky above the green shadows were full of terror great birds flew over his head with a rush of wings and sudden cries like agonized shrieks monkeys chattered above his head or leaped from branch to branch serpents glided among the dry leaves and he saw slender heads and forked tongues among the monstrous roots certain damp corners were heaped high with moving things black yellow brown like dead leaves who disappeared with a rustle as he drew near his nights were full of horror and he felt stifled among all the trees the heat aggravated by the dampness was intolerable at last he beheld the sky again and stood on the margin of a broad river huge crocodiles bathed in the sun but even these were more reassuring than the forest he had passed through he succeeded in getting across the river only to find almost impassable forests again then came grassy plains with rank vegetation then a marsh in which he sank to his chin the moon was rising and after struggling out of the mud he lay for an hour or two without moving when at last he reached a habitation he was so pitiable a sight that every one was afraid of him they threw him something to eat but the master of the house guarded his door with a gun florent's voice broke 
he looked about him pauline had fallen asleep after many efforts to keep her eyes open quenu had lost his temper don't you know how to hold a gut he cried to leon will you never learn now stand steady leon with his right hand raised a long empty gut in the end of which a wide funnel had been placed quenu filled the gut and pressed in the mixture he had prepared tied strings around both ends and dropped it into the pot lisa looked on with great interest at this operation and her husband sighed with relief that his labors were at last over and the man the man murmured little pauline opening her eyes in surprise missing the sounds of her cousin's voice florent rocked her on his knee and went on as if he were an old nurse and then the man got to a great town where he was at first supposed to be an escaped convict and was put in prison for several months when he was released he tried to find employment he taught children to read and did any little things he could this man was determined to go home to his own country and had saved his money for that when he was taken down by yellow fever they thought him dead and they divided his clothes and when he was better he had not a shirt to put on he was compelled to begin at the beginning the man was very sick but he got better the man got well and the man got away florent's voice grew lower and lower and at last became inaudible though his pale lips continued to move pauline still slept lulled by his voice and her head rested on the shoulder of her cousin who held her in his arms and rocked her to and fro in a sweet and tender sort of way it was time now for quenu to take out the puddings this he did with a stick and carried them one by one into the courtyard where he hung them all up to dry leon helped him holding the ends of the puddings when they were very long the steam coming from the kettles which quenu had left uncovered filled the kitchen and lisa and augustine were as oppressed as if they had eaten too hearty a meal augustine carried pauline upstairs quenu who liked to shut up the kitchen himself dismissed auguste and leon the apprentice went off sulkily for he had stolen half a yard of pudding which he intended to broil then the quenus and florent remained alone and silent lisa ate a mouthful or two of the pudding it is good she said excellent i wonder what la normande will say about this someone knocked and gavard came in he always remained with monsieur lebigre until midnight he had now come for a positive reply in regard to the position he had obtained for florent monsieur valoque he said can wait no longer he is really too ill florent must decide i have promised an answer to-morrow at an early hour florent accepts said lisa quietly taking another nibble at her pudding florent in vain tried to protest no no continued lisa you have suffered enough my dear florent you make me shudder when you tell such terrible stories it is time that you settle down you belong to an honourable family you have received a good education and it really is not proper to roam the streets like a beggar you are too old for such childishness you have sown your wild oats and they are forgotten and forgiven you must return to the position to which you are entitled and live like the rest of us florent listened but in his astonishment could not find a word to say she was right of course how could she be otherwise this woman with her healthy tranquil face he of course was the one in the wrong he with his bent figure and emaciated countenance he wondered even that he had dreamed of resistance 
but she continued lecturing him in a maternal fashion and bringing forward the most convincing arguments do this for us florent she said we are looked up to here in the quartier and i am afraid that people are beginning to chatter this place will make them hold their tongues and you will be an honour to us she became caressing a gentle lassitude took possession of florent he was weighed down so to speak by the substantial odours with which the air of the kitchen was laden he was carried away by the comfort and plenitude of the life he had lived for the last fortnight and the bitterness he had felt his keen indignation and burning desire for vengeance were smouldering he seemed to have no other aim than to spend a series of just such evenings all through life but it was monton after all who turned the scales monton slept so profoundly with his tail curled up against his back and looked so deliciously happy that florent murmured as he looked at him and why not after all i accept gavard yes i accept then lisa finished her pudding and dried her fingers she lighted a candle for her brother-in-law and stood with it in her hand the light falling on her lovely face which had all the tranquillity of a sacred cow End of chapter 2